Hey everyone, welcome back to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ezra Hooper and I am Ella's youngest brother and she's sitting right next to me now, which means she's in Australia. So Ella, what's going on? Why are you here? What's happening? Do you not like me here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, so I, yes, I live in California, as you guys know, and uh, I came back to Australia. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. But I came back to Australia um, for our sister's wedding, Charlotte's wedding, um, which I was just supposed to be here nine days. But then when I got to the airport, we ran into an issue with my visa. Mm. Yes. So now I am, which felt really like everything went up in the air. You were there. Mm -hmm. It was a little stressful because it was like, what's the next step? So at the time it felt really high stakes because I was a part of, you know, running graduation for our university, uh, which was going to be in May. And, um, you know, obviously my students graduating, missing out on their shows and final performances. So it was pretty... Uh, stressful at the time but also on one hand like a great gift because I got to be here with you guys Mm -hmm. so the good news is guys I um, am extending my visa um, and so I'm hoping to get back in the next couple of months but really soaking up family time because I think you know being in America I watch you guys living life um, like family dinners yeah. always been on the FaceTime, but it always felt... I know. Yeah. Like, oh, a little oh, bit of FOMO. little FOMO. <laughs> yeah, so I missed miss out a lot. And um, I think a big thing for me was feeling like my heart was in two places and mm. I hadn't been back in over two years. So that's a really long time to be away from some of my favorite people. And so the silver lining, I guess, of this visa situation has been that I can work remotely, so I still see clients and I work for the university. And um, so that's been a real gift to keep that going. And then um, I have also really been able to have some really good family time. And our little niece was born. So Mm -hmm. little fun fact, uh, my name is actually L Hooper. And uh, this little baby was called Addison L. So... Um, yeah, she's really cute. So got to be so back cute. for that. And then your birthday. Yes, my birthday. And also you'll be here for mum's birthday as well. Yeah, mum's six. And you have a big birthday and mum has a big birthday. Mm-hmm. So it's your 21st. Yeah, it's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> okay, so guys, today um, we are going to talk about a couple of things. Um, you know, growing up in a big family, you there mm-hmm. is this thing of... Um, getting enough attention from your parents, from each other. Yep. But then the weird, like you're around a lot of people, but the loneliness inside of that. Um, so we're going to be talking about what it means to be seen, mm-hmm. what it means to get attention versus paying attention. Um, this whole thing of like simultaneously wanting to be seen, but also wanting to hide. <laughs> and what it means to show up in life and we're going to look at areas where we we hide and play small and how we can come out of hiding yeah well the reason why we i decided to do today's topic mm. on getting attention is because 
I was being really annoying to you recently. (laughs) Yes, okay. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like my 33-year-old self reverted back to my maybe 15-year-old self. And maybe a little bit of ADHD, which I don't know if I have, but maybe I do. It runs in the fans. I mean, a little bit. (laughs) A little bit of like, I'm really annoying you. And then you said to me, what did you say to me? I was like, Ella, are you just trying to get some attention? (laughs) It was really confronting because people don't talk to me like that. They're like, that's something that people would say to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) But I, you know, uh, well, you're not. You're not someone who could be very. I didn't. I didn't think you were going to be very offended by me saying that. No, you know, you must. I wasn't offended. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, oh my gosh, a self-aware moment. <laughs> yeah, was, and you, you, you uh, life coach. So I wanted. I think you could take it. So I just. You just, just send it. <laughs> give me some healthy feedback, like Ali. You, you're kind of wanting my attention. <laughs> well, because our room, like our doors, face each other, and I have my door open. Ali usually has the door open, and it, there's definitely some just like shenanigans. Shenanigans. Actually, what's been really good about coming back to Australia is finding my like childlikeness again. I mm. guess because I'm in like leader mode, be mature. Yeah. Think about good choices. <laughs> Whereas, mm-hmm. like, when I come home, I feel like just a kid again. Because, oh, yeah. like, I think being with your family, you cannot, like, everyone will be like, ah, what are you, like, what are you, <laughs> are you trying to be serious? Like, are you trying to be a life coach right now? Like, I yep. get called on that a bit more. And I think it's funny coming back because, um, and you and I having a longer period of time together because when I've been around you you were like a little kid now you're like a man child yeah so two years ago i was just a was just a wee lad oh no wait well you're kind of oldish but i think you're i think i was was 19 no i think i was just before i turned 19 actually i remember because it was before just before covid i think you came yeah yeah so so now i'm well now the dynamic is a little bit well I don't know about your perspective, but I I feel like the dynamic's a little bit different. (laughs) I know, because I was, I think, 12 when you were born. So I, like, feel like... So there's quite the age gap. Yeah, and you were just, like, our little baby. Like, you... It was so cute. So I'm the second eldest of really five kids, but then we um, took on our two cousins. Mm -hmm. So one... I'm the second eldest of seven kids, and you're the youngest of mm-hmm. seven kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But you definitely were the adored child growing up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience? I think being adored, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably f- uh, at first, if you were to tell me, oh, as you're so adored as a kid, my initial thought would have probably been, uh, I was really teased a lot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Like I was the youngest and I probably, most of the teasing probably wasn't from you. It was probably from Zach. Really? <laughs> I, Not from me? Uh, 
A little bit. Maybe a little I bit. Remember like, definitely Ezra, a little bit. Ezra was so cute. He would say, stop teaching me. <laughs> He'd get so angry. But he didn't. Say, and then we would make fun of that. We Because he would be like, Ezra, don't you mean teasing? But you're like, ah, stop <laughs> teaching me. Oh, I can feel it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Took you back to that three-year-old self. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, probably from Zach, I, th- I think. Yeah. Um, been outed Zach. <laughs> I've outed Zach. Yeah. Um, and Dad actually. Mm-hmm. Dad teased me a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would be like I say, adore. That would probably be my first thought. Yeah. Um, but as I like think about it, um, it's probably done a lot to help set me up socially. I think. What being adored or like like just when. Like, why, how do I come about socially with other people? And mm-hmm. I just don't feel very awkward around Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you knew that you were loved I, and accepted. I think, and, and, yeah. And we spoke about this a little bit. And when you yeah. said, oh, as you were so adored, I thought, oh, maybe that's why I felt that way because I always felt like yeah. I had something to fall back on. Like my needs were met in that area as yeah. as a kid. Well, what you're kind of talking about is there's a level of security socially because yeah. you were the youngest of seven kids and we all like thought you were awesome. So you're like, yeah, I'm just awesome. <laughs> and so when you go into social situations, you're like, even if I say something weird, ah, well. I say a lot of weird things. <laughs> So a lot of weird things sometimes. A lot of nicknames. What's the what's one of your favourites that I call you? You <laughs> love it, don't you? Love is a strong word. <laughs> I think I don't know, man. I think from your from you from yeah. you specifically because there's a lot yeah. of nicknames that I get from the fam. I know. Just in general, you get the kid. The kid is probably just probably my favorite. Yeah, it's the most endearing. Yeah, as, as Bez, like as I was called Bear as a kid. I know, so but that, always like whenever we wake you up, it's like we're gonna wake up the bear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Um, but from you, probably just Moo. Moo. <laughs> I don't I was, know why, but I call you Moo. Um, I as a, there's this uh, um show called Sesame Street which is quite popular and I used to love it as a kid and there's this character called Snuffleupagus yeah and for some reason probably because I had crazy hair um uh-huh. <laughs> and the character Snuffleupagus was an elephant is that right am I yeah, remember yeah. and he had wavy hair I actually don't know what <laughs> the animal is <laughs> <laughs> but I used to get called in Snuffleupagus as well yeah that's the kind of connection I made I'm not entirely sure why maybe because I just I hair. just thought it was a weird name. Yeah, and you call me weird things. <laughs> yeah. So earlier today, uh, um, as I was waking up, Ella was singing "Moosh, Moosh, Moosh" to me. <laughs> just and hated it. only a little bit. Only you did put in a boundary. Can you like? Can you not do that? <laughs> I find that my tolerance for. I was going to say teasing, but to you it might be a little bit different. Um, uh-huh. My tolerance for teasing diminishes quite quickly, I think. Sometimes I can go along with it. Yeah. But maybe because it's just with family, I'm like, all right, guys, you can stop. Well, that was actually you, because I naturally do it. It's like I revert back to you being three again. <laughs> <laughs> 
and like it naturally comes out of me. I'm like, I do not talk to people like this ever. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm talking like a weirdo to you. To me, you could just be a weirdo all the time. I know. <laughs> Until I started listening to your podcast, and I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> what have you done to my sister? <laughs> She sounds normal. <laughs> so weird. So normal. I know. I know. Um, so I'm not really... I think people who listen to my podcast or maybe people who I laugh coach probably think I'm really mature and talk about deep things all the time. What would you say to them? Um. <laughs> That's why we call you Snuffle Up again. You just snorted. <laughs> uh, you know what? That, that makes sense. Yeah. I'd say that... You are deep, but with a very healthy humor. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, You've got to be joyful. Yeah, and I think you, you're really good at remaining joyful. Yeah. Mm. Well, even like my closest friends aren't necessarily the deepest. It's more they have a brilliant sense of humor. Because mm. I talk about deep, hard things all the time, so I have to laugh when it's like yeah. off time. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. It's your job. I know. So today we're talking about being seen and what does that even mean? Ella, can you please elaborate on that? Well, it's very much like a human core need. So we all actually need to be seen. Mm. And um, I know some people have some conflicting emotions around being seen because being seen meant that meant that they could get judged or they would get in trouble. Mm. Um, and then, you know, being seen could be like, if you grew up in a family of like, don't be attention seeking. And um, so we can have different views mm. on yeah. being seen, but I know that once we have a healthy relationship with being seen, we actually unblock a lot. You know, there's the being seen on a stage, performing, being seen on camera, being seen on a podcast. And then yep. there's parts of like being seen by someone relationally when they get you, when you mm. feel like, oh, you just get me. Um, and feeling unseen would be like someone trying to do something for you, but you're like, I don't even like doing that. Yeah. Yeah. feeling misunderstood yeah it's kind of this thing that I mean I've even heard you say like um, even though you had so much attention you were seen by us but you didn't actually receive it that way you felt I think you've mentioned before like sometimes you felt invisible mm -hmm. but to us you were so visible and those two experiences can exist yeah does that make sense which it's is a tough thing to like reconcile work out in your mind it's yeah. like it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. but it, yeah. it's just how it is now yeah um yeah yeah but that's i guess that's just like how humans are yes yeah. <laughs> what does it mean to be seen to you i think like being understood being heard like audibly like someone listening to me i think yeah. like that. that's like a core thing for me so i find just like one-on-one -on -one conversations are yeah. probably like my favorite because <laughs> that's where I get to know the other person and I really get to like share me that's probably where I feel feel the most seen I think also like doing like creative work whatever that may be maybe I'm just kind of 
doodling or drawing away in a notebook or working on some photos or that's where I see myself mm. I think mm-hmm. that's segued into the next point so what's mm. it what does feeling <laughs> like what does seeing yourself mean to you when I'm like in a triggered state or maybe like I'm ruminating and I'm just stuck in my own head mm-hmm. and I'm probably like beating myself up a little bit I find and this has taken a lot of time and practice, but just to find little moments of self-compassion and just have like a little bit of, have some patience for myself and be like, no, it's all right. You're all good. And I think not only that brings me down emotionally, uh, serves as like a meditation for like ruminating. Yeah. So it brings me back. Yeah. Um, but it, it like brings down my emotion and also helps to like just be aligned with myself. And so I, in that way, I can start acting as me again. And so I feel fully known by myself. And it, you've actually done a lot of like soul searching into your identity. How has that <laughs> helped you? <laughs> it's Why a, are you laughing? Because I am a little bit obsessed with it. You <laughs> <laughs> must be related or something. <laughs> mm, it's probably why we get along so well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I, I, I just love... Figuring myself, figuring yeah, my the, the crevices of my mind and my heart. <laughs> I think the crevices. The crevices. Yeah, what have you discovered in the crevice of your heart? And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Still, you never arrive. You're, you're always just. You're always learning you're always learning. Well, you actually like for a twenty-one-year-old guy. I think you're pretty uh, tuned in to who you are and you've like discovered a lot from the Enneagram so tell, yeah, tell okay. the audience about that mm. I I it's pretty cool the Enneagram actually um where I first heard of it was probably from mum old and I was like you can't put someone into a number that is ridiculous do not ever label me <laughs> with a number um and I hadn't like done any tests or anything uh, I had a cousin drop off a book for um, my housemate mm-hmm. and it was the Enneagram I was like oh I know this and um, I was like oh, I'll just turn to the number that I think I am yeah this was uh, 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 my, oh no mum said I think you're a four mm-hmm. so I was like oh, I'll just turn to a four and give it a read yeah see how it is and mm-hmm. that was quite the validating experience if we're talking about feeling seen yeah i never thought i would feel so seen by reading a book (laughs) just relating um Um, basically the enneagram helps um make sense of your inner workings and motivations and so what you're saying is that this book gave you language for everything that you feel in life Mm -hmm. because i think especially in enneagram four you can feel like no one else understands what I'm going through or who I like all those big feelings and so Mm -hmm. yeah what you're saying is that this captured yeah and it really you are and gave you tools to figure out yourself basically I've always been like a pro therapy kind of guy I've been seeing well I mean I guess I've been seeing therapists for like ever since I was a boy yeah but I actually started liking and enjoying therapy and really just wanting to know me mm-hmm. probably when I was 17 or 18 years old yeah and I, th- I 
crazy to say that the Enneagram probably gave me the most language for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, especially in relating to other people as well yeah. and how I relate to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like I have... And this idea of being seen like I trained to be an actress, I think a big mm. part of me was like, I want attention. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like you and older brother. Zach. Zach. The T's. The T's. Um, being abs- <laughs> just being the ones that could like act and perform. And I was so drawn to that. I yeah. found it so cool. <laughs> oh, cute. I love that. Yeah. We, we did a lot of performing back in the day. Um, but I think, yeah, being an actress, like I, yeah, did, would not have known this, but wanted to be seen, um, and wanted to be significant. So this, but then I would have a conflict internally because part of me, when you are on stage, you're literally being judged. And when you're Mm. on camera, you're thinking about how you sound on camera, what you look like. And so being seen was also like dangerous because I could be judged. And what if I find out, what if I look through that camera or look through, um, watch, you know, myself back on plays or whatever. And what if I don't like what I see? Mm. And so I think a big dismantling that I have gone through is understanding like how to really see myself Mm -hmm. and um I actually have a story like I was in um I was working out in a bar studio and um I was just in a lot of conflict around body image like and obviously when you work out there's mirrors everywhere Mm -hmm. and so I could never uh silence this voice in me that would be like you're too fat you're too big or whatever And I remember saying that to Margie, who's the instructor, I remember saying, yeah, I don't, I just don't know how to silence these voices. And, um, this is before I had done any trauma therapy, but she literally looked into my soul, Mm -hmm. (laughs) looked into my soul and said, do you see yourself? Wow. And... It wasn't like, hey, girlfriend, don't you see yourself? You're beautiful. You know how we do that? Yeah, we're like, yeah. I don't like how I... But you're great. Like, it was like a... When she said that, it it's like it opened up a window inside my soul into mm. the more of Ella. Yeah. That there is more to me than I'm even seeing. And what I'm... I think that how I feel about myself or how I see myself is being projected into the world. Mm -hmm. And so because it's being projected in some ways, like that's how the world sees me. But what if I could view myself differently? And so really like when she said that to me, it was like really powerful. And then she also um, said, uh, your breakthrough will come from being seen. And that's what I've found to be true. Like when we hide, Mm -hmm. that's when we're thinking like, there's something shameful about me. You know, there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough and I don't want other people to see that. And so that's why a lot of us have such conflicting emotions around being seen because it could be we don't want to be vulnerable to judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, but I think we watched that TED Talk by Joseph Lovett Gordon on paying attention versus getting attention. Yeah. And it was really interesting because he talks about, like, social media, you know, mm-hmm. and when you think about it, like, and you're off Instagram because you're so cool, you're not on social media. That's right. <laughs> so, but, like, when you think about it, having people's attention is so powerful because even though I know, like, we don't want to get our self-esteem from other people, I'm always looking at help it. who's looking at my story. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering who is seeing me and yeah. why is that so powerful? And they talk about, like, we're addicted to getting these dopamine hits mm. of, like, you're being seen, you're being seen, and then it can become a whole addiction. Like, we could all get so addicted to our phones. Yeah, it's so crazy. When I, before I deleted Instagram, I, I just knew. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's something here that I'm finding so just, uh, like, I don't know what it is, attracts me to the high or makes me feel the high of, like, how yeah. many views I get on a story. Yeah. Or how many yeah. people like a photo. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I love it because Joseph Lovett Gordon talks about, and he's an actor, so he talks mm. about how that need for attention robs you of actual real, real creativity because you're producing things, whether it's stuff on TikTok or whatever, Yeah. to see how many views you get. And then because it's like old news... By mm. 24 hours later, it's old news. You've got to keep hustling to keep the attention up. Yeah. I found uh, this with a lot of creators on like yeah. YouTube who would share their thoughts about this. Yeah. They f- or they found themselves chasing the algorithm yeah. of what YouTube or t- yeah. Instagram, TikTok wanted. So they found that they weren't... Mm-hmm. Or they, they were really just... They felt like they were losing. Yeah. Because they weren't being them. They yeah. They weren't like, showing up as them. They were... And appealing to this robot to try and fulfill this short high until Mm -hmm. the the next. It boggles the mind just to be so caught up in just this this thing that means absolutely nothing. (laughs) But apparently it means something. It means a lot. Why would we be consumed with it then? I don't know. I guess I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, you're not on social media, so you don't get pulled into that thing hmm. why are you off social media um because i was pulled into that thing um i didn't really post a whole lot i would have to like force myself to mm-hmm. un- unless i really was like in a creative flow you know i just was loving it I and mean, i was like oh, i just want to share it but otherwise i would have to be like oh, okay force myself which i never did because who cares um <laughs> and I just, yeah, was noticing all the th- things that Instagram, like, would do to just keep me on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel manipulative. Yeah. Um, and I was paying, I noticed that, like, just my need, or, like, like, just checking, oh, how many people looked at my story, how many people liked my post, and then, like, my mood would be dictated on how high or low the number was. Mm. Um, and I was like, I'm just so done with that, man. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't want to live like that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's so interesting because I went off social media when I came back to Australia 
for like a month and some people were like, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> and um, it was so good because it felt like my, my soul felt really clear. It's like a whiteboard that's full with like words all over a whiteboard and being not on social media for a while made me feel like an eraser went over the whiteboard <laughs> and wiped everything clear. And so I could get clear like with myself. Which was great. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um, if you like catch public transport, just notice that I'm killing. Oh, this is another reason why I got off. Like I'm killing time by wasting time on Instagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> just scrolling yeah. through. Instead, I could be reading or listening to music. Yeah. But I think more importantly, just being more comfortable with myself with that distraction. I th- uh, that was another motivation behind it. That's really good. And you run, you remind me like something that Zach, our brother, who keeps getting a good mention in this podcast, poor guy, <laughs> but um, maybe we'll have him on. Mm. But one thing that he said to me that stood out to me, and he's not on Instagram as well, but he's on Facebook, but he was scrolling through Facebook and just scrolling away. And he asked himself the question of like, what am I looking for? yeah far out and i'm like that's a good point what are we looking through as we scroll through the feed yeah infinite (laughs) infinite feed do you remember instagram used to not have an infinite scroll it used to say you're all caught up at the bottom yeah i nearly called you zach but Ezra, that's a revelation. <laughs> it's a disease. I get confused. Yes, yes. Very Um So, Ella, you work with a lot of actors like Joseph, either their students or the, your clients. Do you have any stories or any um, any situations related to being seen, especially in these environments with, like, you know, the stereotypical actor who wants to be seen or oh, look at me? Do you have any stories about maybe some breakthrough with your students? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, a lot of actors are actually really shy. They don't like the attention side of it. They love the story side of it. So Mm. sometimes that's a misconception. But it's also um, a, a huge part is, well, when I meet with clients or whatever, we're looking at like what's blocking them from getting where they want to be. So if they're not booking jobs or they're struggling with anxiety on set or going to an interview, being interviewed on camera or whatever, where they have to be themselves and, you know, and then, or they're finding they're not getting where they need to be. Mm -hmm. I always like to look at what their relationship is like with being seen. So when I ask that question, I'll often hear that, like a story of, um, you know, they have an acting class and then the teacher makes them feel so small, belittles them in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And then the next week they have a new acting teacher or something come in and praise them in front of the group. And then that's humiliating because now the class are jealous of you. Mm. And so... That's why we have this um, complex relationship with being seen because we're like afraid if we're seen, we're going to be shamed in front of everyone. And then we're also afraid if we're, we're seen, I'm going to make other people jealous. So don't shine. Don't be big. 
just be small. Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot that's connected to it. Mm. Um, so what we really need to do is really get a strong vision for how we see ourselves and have that as the highest voice in our soul. Um, and what, which is why I like you, that you brought up self-compassion, because if I can connect to myself, then being seen is safe. And so I'm trying to create positive emotions around being seen that you're going to be safe. Like even if that person judges you, you're not judging you. And um, really kind of getting a bit of a strategy in place to mm -hmm. teach yourself that it's safe to be seen because sometimes um, you're subcon subconsciously blocking opportunities from coming through because you have decided that being seen is unsafe. Mm. But for an actor or even like in business like they don't even have to be a performer this is like where are you hiding and it's usually because there's something in your subconscious that says yeah. don't do that and so you're sending and projecting a message to the world saying like don't good things can't come to me because that could all fall apart and that could feel really unsafe mm. yeah so um that's why i think that that we have this relationship with being seen simultaneously wanting it but not wanting it and so i think once we get clear with that and become more safe in our personal narrative that's how and how we see ourselves yeah that's that you know usually we get unblocking from that situation yeah yeah so um so question to the audience is like how comfortable are you with being seen Mm. And some people have like a mask that they put on and they're like, you love, I love being seen on social media. I love all of that. But mm -hmm. do you fully feel known and seen like Ezra was talking about? Yeah. I could not put up a mask on social media. <laughs> yeah. You're I would die. <laughs> it seems like it is a, a daunting task setting out on the journey of being seen and getting to know yourself and f feeling known. Um, so how do we set out on that kind of, how do we, how do we begin that journey? How do yeah. we, what does it look like? Yeah. I think it, um, it's about showing up to your life. And one of my good friends, Chantel, who's been on the podcast, like that's kind of one of her phrases. She talks about like showing up to her day. Like she gets up early and she shows up for herself. And um, really it's like we're looking to be seen, even in relationships, romantic relationships. We want to be seen by the other person. Mm. Um but if we don't know how to see ourselves and connect to ourselves, that will always feel like you're pouring into a bucket with holes in it. <laughs> so you know those people that you get around and you're like, I've told you a hundred times how awesome you are, but then you won't believe it. <laughs> you can think of a few people. And it's like, and it's like, well, that's someone with like buckets, like with holes, you know? That is really good. Yeah, analogy. nothing is ever enough because they haven't taken ownership over their own bucket. So mm. it's like, if I see myself, then when like you, for example, say something to me, like I'll feel mm. extra affirmed because I believe it. Like yeah. I feel connected, you know? Um, so I think this idea of like, 
do you, when you show up for yourself, like there's different ways that you can do that and you'll have your own pings go off about what that looks like for you. But when I know when I show up for myself, whether that's, you know, like I've been depressed before where I haven't been able to function like a normal person. And so instead of shaming myself for that, I start thinking about little baby steps that I can show up for myself, like, and um, whether that's making my bed or like different things that it's kind of like putting one foot in front of the other. You build, you're building yourself some momentum. Yeah. Yes. Building some momentum and like trying to, yes, I guess like when you think of being seen, it feels very others focused. Like it's something that you have to get yeah. from others. Yeah. Um, but I think the power of like seeing yourself clearly, you then begin to project a clearer image of yourself to other people. It's like, mm, that's good. I always know that misunderstood people misunderstand people. So it's like they're, if they are not really fully having compassion and understanding for themselves, they will project this image to the world and people will we teach people how to treat us so it's like then they are going to treat you that way because mm -hmm. it's what you expect mm. um so i think that like being seen is a result of you showing up to your life and which is the point of the next brave thing podcast it's about showing up yeah it's about being brave it's about being seen. Scary. Scary. <laughs> so as I've been on my self-development journey and as I'm learning who I am and as I'm growing, I've struggled with this, like, how do I properly assess myself kind of thing, yeah. which it feels kind of awkward to navigate mm -hmm. because, like, I don't want to... I don't want to fall into judgment where I'm hurting me and right. But I also don't want to have a like delusional. a, a delusion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't want to be feel delusional and have this sense of false oh, sense of self. That's right. Yeah. Um. How do I or how does someone mm. go about that and have like a objective view? Yeah. But also have an objective view, but as someone who loves that person. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I think that delusion uh, is also in the negative view of self. So mm. sometimes we think by being more harsh on ourselves that we're getting a clearer image of ourselves, um, which is actually not true. That is delusional as well as being like, I, everything I touch turns to gold and there's bombs going off around you all the time and you're just got the, your head in the clouds. Um, I think a clear assessment looks like ownership and um, permission to be in process. So I guess like we have different versions of self. So when we're triggered, we're our triggered self. That's yep. not all of who you are when you're triggered. It's just your hurt self, your triggered self, and then um, we have our true, authentic, whole self. So I've mentioned this before, I think, in my podcast on Do You Like Yourself? Maybe the third, fourth episode. I don't know. Anyway, so mm -hmm. it's this thing of like 
my if nothing if I came into the world pure and perfect and whole and then life happened to me like really painful things and usually pain shapes our identity if we don't learn how to heal from it and so we get a false sense of self and we act out of that false sense um, when you know when we're in a trigger so yeah I think that healthy assessment of yourself is recognizing your truest, highest, worthy self that came, if you had the most perfect parents and the perfect upbringing and no pain in the world, what kind of human would you be? Mm. And then you can also go like, because that comes from more of like a compassionate understanding towards yourself and well, you've acted out that way because you never had that growing up and yep. you have more compassion. So you have a healthy assessment kind of with through the lens of understanding. You're at that level because of this. But that doesn't mean that you stay who you are. You get to grow and develop. And the more we live in our true, connected, authentic self, we actually make better choices in our life and we don't become our mistakes. So the thing is, someone who feels um, a healthy sense of contentment in their identity can take ownership of their mistakes. They don't go, they don't get defensive and get in denial about the fact that they did that. They usually can go, "Ooh, that's painful. Yes, I'll take ownership of it. I mm. still love myself, but I'm not got, but I will take ownership for the fact that I've made a mess and I need to clean it up." Mm-hmm. So, which is really hard to do, but the more self-love you have, the more capacity you have for it. Um, but it's very grounded, very connected. So you're kind of healthily aware of like exciting growth opportunities in your life, but you're also not thinking that you're the scum of the earth. Yes. Does that make sense? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's powerful because you, once you start viewing yourself and giving yourself compassion, you can't help but be that for other people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So, and a lot of people are just moving through the earth feeling misunderstood. So if we can understand ourselves better, then we'll have deeper compassion and lean into understanding others better. Mm. So, mm. I guess that's pretty much... All we have to say on that. Do we? <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a lot more. <laughs> um, I mean, we've been going for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, well, Ezra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, hanging out with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Did you love it? I loved it. You did a good job. Thanks. Proud of you. Oh. So, guys, I used to have podcasts come out every second week, but now they're going to come... Sorry, they used to come out every week, but now they're going to come out every second week. So, I do want Mm. everyone to know that. So, make sure you download, write a review, uh, share with your friends, um, and we'd love to hear from you, any questions that you have, and stay tuned for the next podcast in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, Ezra. It was a pleasure. Thanks, sis. No worries. (laughs) All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. You can follow us at the Next Brave Thing podcast on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. 
If you would like to book in a live consulting session with me, feel free to go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com for more information.